welcome to the 70 Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Tom Kara. Marler, holy blowout. The most exciting thing for SEC fans all day yesterday was like Clemson almost losing without Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, or, probably. I, Michigan like, lost. Te- oh, maybe oh. Texas. Texas uh, yeah. ending the Big 12's playoff hopes. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, like, you know, they, they've done a really good job. I think this year, where the start of the games, like the 12 o'clock games, have been pretty good. That was one of the worst football games I've ever watched yesterday with Texas Kentucky. It sucked. Oh, it sucked. It was bad. I felt like I was watching a game that was stuck in 1995 where they oh, would have... that modern. Yeah, okay, probably like 1975. Good point. Um, I felt like we were watching one of our Just Meant More games, and we were maybe a Stetson Bennett touchdown pass away from the announcers, who, which, by the way, it was... Our buddies Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublik, who did a great job with a very boring game and made that game much more interesting yeah. than it probably could have been. Um, I feel like we were a Stetson Bennett touchdown pass away in that game from getting the overwhelming praise for the quarterback who totally doesn't deserve it type of game in a very low-scoring game in which oh. the defense is doing all the work. I thought we were getting close to that point. We didn't reach it, though. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if Georgia fans would have been able to give him that because of how over that situation they they apparently are. The Jay Barker um, game, like like a Jay Barker. Yeah, oh, I see game. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, well, I think also like like back then too, a lot of those other quarterback like other quarterbacks around Jay Barker were putting up similar numbers. Like it's it's got to feel worse for have to watch Stetson Bennett play quarterback and then watch a league where Matt Corral just threw six touchdown passes yesterday. Mac Jones is like leading the Heisman, Kyle Trask, all that kind of stuff. But I get what you're saying. I, I think. Um, that would have been cool if he would have scored the touchdown. I, I would have also been very uh, pleased if Kirby just would have kicked the GD field goal at the end and covered the spread. Yeah, yeah, you know, he wasn't really thinking about that. And that, go figure, that game was the closest game of the day, and I said, I think it's over as soon as Zamir White scored that touchdown to make it 14-3 yeah. to three <laughs> in the beginning of the third quarter. So that, that kind of shows you the day that was in the SEC. Cool. We're talking about a lot of blowout games. We're not necessarily mm-hmm. talking about great down-to-the-wire games. So we are still, of course, going to recap everything that we saw because there are some things moving forward that I thought were just alarming yesterday for a variety of teams, maybe specific mm-hmm. units, things that we absolutely have to address. And then, of course, you know, we, we hear word late on Saturday night about Richard LeCount having the traffic incidents that involved the motorcycle, apparently. Yeah, and that's, that's a whole deal in itself. And so there are just... There are a lot of drama things. Well, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's, so that's what I was trying to say. You, you said it before yeah. I could, there's still drama in the SEC, even on a day like that, where it just seemed like, wow, all these games are lopsided and not really exciting for any other purpose than the spread. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I, and like, it also finished with a way where I was able to absolutely lose my, my mind, dropped another F-bomb in front of you via text because of that Arkansas thing. We'll get to that later though. I think after last week's post-Saturday pod, we're, we're, you've dropped more <laughs> F-bombs on me in the last week or so. And, and to, for yeah. what it's worth, like people are listening to this like, why can't you drop an F-bomb in front of Connor? You you, you can. I hear F-bombs. I've reached my – well, yeah, I know. But it's, it's just it's, – it's a lot. Like this was like – I mean, this is a bad reference, but it's like Pearl Marler that just kept dropping them. Just kept dropping them. Kept dropping them. It was terrible. It was ter- Did you just terrible. make fun of Pearl Jam? No, I made fun of Pearl Harbor. I wasn't making fun of Pearl Harbor. I was making a, a, oh. a, a rhyming, rhyming reference. Wasn't Way too soon. Fun of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Way too soon. Fair All enough. right. That's not going to go over well. 
Before we get to all the games in the SEC, Marler, I know you were dealing with your own power cable situations, very tumultuous times in your neck of the woods, but I, I got to think that you were still able to have your go-to some Texas Pete. Oh, man. I tell you what, after the interaction we had in the Facebook group, especially this week, I could not give a bigger shout-out and 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 just friend high-five, hug. What Just the bromance I have with Texas Pete is – is is more real than ever and i'll be honest it made game day fantastic yesterday and, and it was one of the only things that got me through um not having cable internet was eating my feelings so and, and i want i want to say for this one i know we do ad reads every weekend but you guys know they come from the heart so i want to use this specific ad read for some specific fans we're getting into the part of the season where a lot of teams um have reached the point where you know you're, you're not gonna win a championship right you know, there's, there's a lot of people I think that are angry online right now. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's a coach. Whatever it is, a lot of tension. And it's it's because they're salty uh, about their flavorless offense, their flavorless mm. play calling. Add some flavor to your life. Drown those tears. Don't, don't project on people online because you're upset with your own life or your own team. Douse your sorrows. Douse your chicken. Douse whatever other food you have in Texas, Pete. It makes everything better. It makes everything better. Listen. Therapy is expensive. Texas Pete is not. And mm. Texas Pete is a lot more enjoyable, I'll be honest. I've done both. So go to TexasPete.com uh, today. Get some recipes. Sit, keep sending us uh, pictures of your home gating setup. We gave away another uh, home gating kit yesterday. Um, listen, in a, in a year, it's almost over. But a, a year that's had a lot of uncertainty, I tell you what I'm very certain about. God, Texas Pete's still great. At our new place, we have the fridge with the double doors that open Ooh. like that. Not really fan like just just a, a, a I think that's what all fridges do now if I'm pretty if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not up to the fridge. I feel like fridges and and like washer dryer units are like just at a whole new level I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, I'm not either. As someone who's also we're currently in the process of shopping for that as well, the washer dryer situation yeah. because they took their washer dryer. How, how dare they? What the hell? I know, right? That seems like such a pain. Just, just like leave it there. Just leave it there. We'll, yeah. we'll take it. It's fine. Um but I can have the wing sauce on one side and then Ooh. the original on the other side. And that way I can like do the whole debate like, yeah. you know, the, the angel versus devil sort of thing in my head. I can do that every day for lunch. That's the Except plan. they're two angels, so. Yeah, they are two angels. That's a great point. That's a great point. We're leading with LSU-Auburn. <laughs> and that tells you a lot, right? We usually try and lead with the most compelling game, the game that everybody's going to be talking about. I don't know that this is the game in which everybody in the world is going to be talking about, but I feel like there are some things moving forward with LSU that you just can't look at a game like this and not fear some some really bad long-term things, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you are talking about your most lopsided loss ever against Auburn, your worst loss as a program in 24 years, the sixth worst loss by a defending national champ in the AP poll era, which has been around since 1936, 48 to 11? What? LSU was favored oh, in this game. That 11 came late. I told, I, you that was, I told you that was a trap. Oh, I picked LSU to win this game. What in the world was going on? I, so a Friday night when I did not have uh, cable and internet still, and I started to panic because I was like, kind of sick earlier in the week, and I wasn't able to go through my normal routine. I was like, man, game day's tomorrow. Like, I've got to start like prepping, like for like real for real on some of these like picks or, or going through, you know, being able to like understand what I'm looking at and, and, and what I'm going to see tomorrow. Because it was a, it was a great day of football on paper. 
It, lo- it looked not like it was a great tape of ball. Not no, not actuality at all. Um, but so so I I went to my buddy's bar, Diesel, and because they had internet, and I and I did some like late night work on Friday, and and actually was working. Um, it was fantastic, and I started looking at some of these numbers, and I realized I was like I made that jo- I made that pick for Auburn as like in a in the most petty way possible talking about the refs. Um, the more I looked at it, the more I was became, became like aware that that Auburn was going to win that football game. I don't I did not think it was going to be like that, but like just from a just from a, a a pure number standpoint, I mean like Auburn hasn't beaten LSU in LSU since 1999. And, and I started looking at this, and you'd be proud of this because I, I got this from you, is when you look at, like, the history of a matchup, there's a lot of series that are, you know, seemingly always close. Like, auburn George is a good example. Um, this this one is, is like, I, I know that most of the series records, a lot of those players aren't there anymore, and, you know, coordinators are gone, all this kind of stuff. But when you look at a, a place where Auburn hasn't won in Death Valley in 20 years, and then you look at how bad LSU has been in Auburn over the past their past five visits, mm. and really, though, both of these programs have taken a change, and this is this is what I meant when I said you'd be proud of this. But like, from an offensive standpoint, LSU changed when Steve Ensminger took over as OC, right? Um, from a defensive standpoint, since Kevin Steele has been the DC at Auburn, it, it happened roughly around the same time that LSU tried to make this philosophical change on offense, and they have like just consistently underperformed against Auburn. Are you about to give Kevin Steele some Oh, yeah. I made made the entire entire basis of my argument for why they were going to win is because we look at how great this offense has been under Steve Ensminger, and and they've they've struggled at times for sure. But since 2016, first off, the line, I told you the under. I went 4-4 in these bets yesterday. The the over-under was 64. It's the highest number they've – for the highest total they've had in this series in the last decade, right? Like – the previous high was 59 last year, and we saw what happened there. It was 23 to 20. Mm-hmm. LSU hasn't put up more than 27 points against a Kevin Steele defense in the last four years. And, and like, the way that game started was, was par for the course because every single game they've played, again, since Kevin Steele's been there, LSU was 3-1, and one, right? 3-1 and one against them. Do you know that Auburn hadn't, has not trailed at half in any of those four games, now five straight games? In, wow. Against LSU, think about that. They've lost. They've lost three of the four going into yesterday, but they hadn't trailed at halftime in any of them. It's beginning to be like one of those series where, as long as Kevin Steele is on that sideline, yep, yeah. Uh, and I, I regrettably, I did not account for that in the way that I should have. I did not think that this. And we're gonna don't don't get me wrong. I'm gonna give Chad Morris his praise because Chad Morris deserves yeah. a little bit of praise, especially for some of the in-game adjustments that I really liked. Point lead, but yeah, he definitely did. He got he got a boost. He got a boost. There's no doubt about it. But this Auburn defense without KJ Britt has not played like that all year. And no. I came into this game praising what LSU has done, giving a true freshman quarterback and Miles Brennan as well. <laughs> big windows to throw in, what they've done to be able to free up Terrace Marshall, what they've done to be able to get their ground game going at times. There was none of that. This Auburn nope. defense took over. And you see, the, it was it was the headliner guys that made the, the big-time plays, right? You know, you have guys like Big Cat Bryant making the interception. Smoke Monday was tremendous. I thought yeah. Owen Papa was, I mean, awesome. And chasing he chased around pew, Max pew. Johnson. All over the place. Like yeah. this was a vintage Kevin Steele defensive performance in a way that I definitely did not see coming. And you know, we talk about what a team can do 
when it senses blood in the water and it gets yep. those takeaways. And what what does a team do to be able to capitalize it on it? Is are you leading the turnover battle three to nothing and you're still looking up and it's a and it's a one possession game? That's not good. That's usually not good. That means right. things are going to probably go the other way very soon. Auburn took advantage of those opportunities, and they were there, and they made sure they were not going to miss him. And it was pretty simple. Kevin Steele's like, hey, we're going to take away the ground game. The ground game's been pretty inconsistent for them. We're going to force yeah. their true freshman quarterback to throw. On the road. We, we want him to make these decisions and to have to throw on the road. Let's see how he can do in this matchup. And it worked. It worked yeah. really well. It, and, and again, like I know I, I kind of you know, like crapped on Chad Morris um, by saying he got the 14-point lead, but he, he called a great game. Bo Nix looked incredible yesterday. Uh, I think Gene Chizik talked about this last night on SEC Football Final, and it's a great point. Like, like having – I've said it time and time again. This offense, Gus Malzahn's offense to be successful, it's predicated on the run, but it's really predicated on the quarterback being able to run. We, we've seen it at other places, like, where, like you know, Georgia with Jake Fromm, how frustrating it is to see – the inability of that offense to really flourish if the, if you're not pulling the ball back from that that uh, running back stomach every once in a while and taking it yourself. And when they had him and Tank Bigsby going, Tank Bigsby only had, I think he only had like, what, 12 carries for like 71 yards. He, he could have done a lot more damage. They, they chose to go through the air. Auburn did whatever they wanted to do yesterday on both sides of the ball to LSU. And like, when you said cause for concern, there were two teams that I, I – I felt there was a huge cause for concern from, especially from like where people want to think they are mm-hmm. versus where they actually are. And that was Clemson and LSU. And LSU, obviously, way worse than Clemson. Defensively. Because yeah. For what? Defensively for, for LSU, I'm more concerned long term. Oh, I'm, than... I'm concerned with both. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I look, I look at what happened with, with this LSU defense, where even Coach O at halftime of that South Carolina game said, still too many guys that are running free. The bust that they had in this game might not have looked quite like what we saw against Mizzou, but this Which is not... Is the bar's low if we're doing yeah, that. I mean, that's yeah. really not saying a whole lot. That yeah. was backyard football and bad defense right. with backyard football. But the plays that, that stood out where it just looked like the effort level is still just not quite there. Oh, they quit. I mean, they, they didn't. Anthony Schwartz on that play at the end where Auburn fans have probably been dreaming of that play for such a long time. Of, just let him go. Just let him get single coverage yeah. and go. And that's what you can do against this LSU defense when they insist on continuing to play man coverage and trying to cover a guy that fast with one guy. It's just not going to work, man. It's just not going to work. Uh, Seth Williams going up over over Derek Stingley multiple times yesterday. Like, you're, that's your best play. You know, Derek Stingley had a better game. I'll give him that. The play that he made on sure. Seth Williams with the fumble in the end zone, and then he had a yeah, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like again, what we kind of expected and what we you know even on this podcast kind of built him up to be before the season was this, it was going to shut down the whole half the field, yeah, and that has not happened at all. And yeah. and and you know, I, I I will fully admit the Devonta Smith numbers he had against him last year were a little bit inflated because of you know him looking at the sideline, him going past him. But now you start really looking at like Derek Singley versus elite receivers or good receivers, it's not as it's not as much of a mismatch as we maybe thought it was. It's not as much of like a shutdown type of situation as we as we may have thought. But I tell you what, the, the thing for me was the offense looked like excuse my language. I don't have anything to write this down with, damn it. Um where are we at here? 
Auburn, so the, Auburn the segment, offense, and you're still cursing even though Auburn won and didn't even need a lucky break to win this the, game. No, the officials actually were fantastic in this yeah, game. They got they everything right. They didn't give them the benefit of the doubt on a couple of plays that you're like waiting for it to go Auburn's way, and then right. Auburn opens yeah. up a can, and that didn't happen. I, I just I was very impressed on both sides and, and, and want to give like Auburn credit, like I said. But, you know, the, the offense looked bad for LSU. The defense looked bad for LSU. Um, and, and I tell you what. I love Coach O to death, but I, like this team quit. This, this team. Uh, uh, do you think about think about the team last year? How prideful that team was. Shut up, ready they, to go like, every week. Every single every single thing about that team, which, which made it so fun, is like you know the kickoffs, like you know from Louisiana or whatever, like that that whole thing. Like like that, there's like a sense of pride in that stadium, in that fan base, in that state, in that locker room, and it's all gone. It is all gone, and if and if this sounds like an exaggeration, and I'm gonna get on my my I'm gonna put my fan hat on here for a second and and rub this in. Last year, you skull dragged everyone with the best offense in the in the in the history of college football and had an incredible season, and left just everyone lying your wake. And and I said it all off season. If you didn't think that wasn't gonna take a step back, you were crazy. I didn't think it'd be this drastic, but to watch a team absolutely quit. And allow this is you said it was it was the the most lopsided game they've had in how many years? Twenty five. Twenty four years. This is the third time this season I have watched an LSU game in in five total games and said that is the most embarrassing loss I've seen from an LSU football team yep. in the last how many years? Yep. Mississippi State, uh, Missouri, and then now you, three times in the first five games. And I tell you what, the next <laughs> Dallas Towns. I, I tell you what, Connor, the next game they have or. They have a week off next week, right? Uh, yeah, they actually do have the bye week. I got that wrong Good. last podcast. They're going to need got it. a bye week before Bama. They're going to uh, need it's it. Not because I, the, the next team they play, I've never seen Nick Saban run up a score, but that, all that roll tide what F you from last year, they're hitting I hard. hope they're, they, they will put up 70 points at ease if they want to on this defense, and they deserve to because of all the stuff they said. But the problem is, Coach O, fire Pelini now. Like, like this is yeah. not up for debate. This is not a something that's like we got to work out some kinks. Fire his ass right now. I don't feel like I'm being like overreacting no, no, to that. He's awful. He, and he's making zero. I don't know why I'm so worked up over LSU, but like it, it makes me mad to sit here and watch a game routine, like consistently throughout the season, and he makes no effort to change at all. It, this is this is my way. I'm setting my ways. Not changing it. Buyout north of six million dollars um, seems like one that that they're going to be willing to pay. In my opinion, there's go to the children's hospital, funnel whatever kind of money you need to, and go ahead and pay that right now. Too soon. There is nothing that LSU um, defensively right now. I, I feel like they can do to really turn this around, and that's that's the problem. And that's you know you talk about the Stingley thing before. Yeah. About if you looked at you looked at what Stingley did as a freshman. And I'm not saying that like Bo Pelini is entirely to blame for, for Stingley's struggles and stuff like that. Some of this is just a want to and, and staying healthy. I, I get that. But like if you're Coach O at the same time, you can't look at guys that are as talented as Stingley and Ricks and say to yourself, I'm going to give them two years of Bo Pelini and hope it works out. Like there's there's no, no universe Dude, in which that's going to happen. There's just and not. It, and it means too much to Coach O, I would hope, still – for him to to give himself two years with Bo Pelini because this yeah. is a joke and I, and I like just listen take the L of what you said you know about how this is a better defense than Aranda and all that kind of stuff or whatever bitterness you have towards him but this is quickly becoming this is embarrassing it's it's yeah. just embarrassing and losing games is fine like I get it 
losing games where you quit, that's what's not okay. On the week that his book comes out and hits the masses, LSU was feeling good coming off that South Carolina win. And then to see that, you know who Kentucky is? This is going to be a a reference that I'm not sure. Kentucky. Uh, Not Kentucky. That was going to be the the comparison that I was going to make. Oh. LSU football in 2020 is Kentucky basketball in 2013. That Kentucky basketball team coming off of a national title that lost, mm-hmm. you know, the likes of Anthony Davis and Terrence Jones. I covered that team in person twice that year, and it was ridiculous, the talent that was on the floor. Michael K. Yeah. Gilchrist. That team in 2013 lost to Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT. And the say, didn't they not make the tournament? <laughs> year, it was like, Wow, this team looks like it has no identity whatsoever. It quits. Yeah, it's got some five-star guys. It's got some talent here or there. But there's no glue on this team. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that holds it together. And you're finally seeing what this could look like when you lose this much talent and you don't have the guys who are in that locker room who are ready to 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 be able to replace it. 2013 Kentucky basketball is 2020 LSU football. I tell you what, this is going to be... Not the best source of evidence to this, but I don't really care because it's just it's something that I, I I personally believe. Joe Burrow got in that locker room, and within weeks, somebody had said something or, or something, and, and he said in the locker room, if somebody has a problem with me, say it to me right now. Like, say it to my effing face, whatever. Like, Alpha in the locker room took control, took the reins. We saw what happened in the UCF game, gets up from that hit. Everyone loved him. Because he was an alpha. There were several alphas on that team. That was a very, very special. The veterans team. didn't want him to start too, which you you learn in Coach right. book about about that that entire story about how like the veterans came up to him and they're like, hey, Justin McMillan's the guy. What are you doing bringing in this guy Joe Burrow and saying that he's your starter? And that, yeah. th- but that's that. I think a team sometimes has to go through some stuff like that. And Burrow right. obviously brought that presence. And it's not to say it's just him. I mean, there were so many upperclassmen on that team. And clearly, they are, are struggling to find out their identity. Yeah. And there's no week-to-week consistency at all with this team. But Joe Burrow coming in and having all the swag and having all the confidence and having, like, all the drip, like, what do you call it? Having, like, all the drip and then having, like, drilling into that, te- that team's head from day one, like, I am the guy. I'm going to be the guy. We're going to go win championships. Like, like, I can do this. The day I saw video of Miles Brennan rushing in a frat or some <laughs> Like as a like, I get it. I get. I'm not hating on frats, but you're a you are what? Market. Oh yeah, write it down. Um, it, like you are a you are a college quarterback at an elite college football program. If you are putting on your dad's blue blazer and and getting paddled because of some and getting ankle tats, that is. There's no time for that. There's right, no I'm time gonna, for that. I'm not gonna hate on the kid on the quarterback who's not even playing in this game. Let's. I don't want to. That's. Uh, I don't want. I think that's a crap argument. In my opinion. That's. Because you were in a fraternity, Connor. That's probably why. I mean, Miles like, Brennan's like, not playing you, defense for this team right now. Miles Brennan's not doing anything for this team. Because he's hurt. Now you, now you have. I had, I had, I had multiple LSU fans text me yesterday say, "I like this offense better with TJ Finley." My point is, Miles Brennan is not an alpha that's going to come in and take control of that program, and they don't have any faith in him like they did with Joe Burrow. The fans don't. The coaches don't. The offense doesn't. It's not the same. Like he, he is not the same guy, and they don't have that on offense or defense right now. Yeah. All right, that's that's fair. That's fair. I'll I'll allow I'll, I'll, I'll that that to slide. Mizzou, Florida. The brawl. We got to talk about this. 
three players ejected in one of the weirder halftime scenes you'll ever see, really. I just, on the SEC alternate network. <laughs> Good old about? channel 1191 on Spectrum. Um, yeah. We had dudes throwing haymakers on both sides. It was ugly. Bro, stop just, helmets. Yeah, just don't. Just don't. It's not good. It's never going to end well for you. Um, so originally, the thought was this was all brought on by this Kyle Trask late hit that happened at the end of the first half when he was throwing a Hail Mary. And the, the thought was, and what, was, what we were led to believe was that Dan Mullen was upset that there was no call, and he went and he charged at the refs. Mullen actually said after the game that he didn't even see the hit on Kyle Trask. So this belief that it was all because he was standing up for his quarterback isn't isn't true. It was yeah. This the goalposts for his story have moved a lot. Yeah. the 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 root of his argument and why he charged at the officials because that let's call it what it is. He needed four dudes on that Florida sideline to separate mm-hmm. him from the officials. In the middle of a game to charge at officials like that, after you think just in general, the first half officiating didn't go well. To me, right. was stunning. And you can pick and you could pick, you know, your spots and say, ah, we didn't get this break our way. If you didn't even see that hit on Kyle Trask, and Dan Mullen is losing his mind like that. Let's call it what it is. He lost his mind. Yeah. He went irate. And it looks like he, so he marches at the officials, and all of this is, is prompted because Mullen is like going across the sideline. And it's shades of what he did against Vandy a couple years ago. Yeah. Which, like, you expected out of Grantham. Go, finish. I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like, that's, yeah. That, that got everything going. And you can't tell yeah. me otherwise. Like, watch any, any angle, any replay of that. Mullen having that type of emotion was what got everything riled up. And he comes back onto the field after halftime, like after he's originally going to go into the tunnel, and then he comes back waving his arms out to fire fire the crowd like he's WWE or something like that. Yeah. If a coach does that that one thing in any other spot, it's probably fine. But the fact that Mullen was doing that in the middle of the game, I've defended him at a lot of different Uh points. And I'm not going to go all Dan Wilkin and say like, oh, he did this and this was problematic and that was problematic. Dan Mullen needs to straight up chill. Like, he absolutely does. And I know Florida fans are probably riled up because it looks like it's a guy who, you know, you want in your corner and you would say that this is exactly what we need. Dan Mullen needs to chill out right now because he is getting to a place mentally that I don't think really works. And I think that... Emotionally unstable. He kind of is. And you saw the the reaction after the A&M thing where he had to walk back what he said later on. And you see him literally show up as Darth Vader and in the post-game presser, which was bizarre in itself. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, I wonder... (laughs) Mullen just seems different this year. He really does. He seems like he is wound tighter and... You know, you see this this emotion out of him that it's okay if a coach has emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. But in that spot, with what you have to accomplish this year, tell me other contenders who have had coaches who have had that type of tirade where they're crossing the sideline and they're inciting brawls. Saban's going right. to lose his mind. I get that. Saban's going to lose his mind at times. Every coach is. We've seen Coach O lose his mind. Saban's going to lose his mind, but he's not going to cross over to the other sideline no. and, and spark that kind of chaos. And, and that is the problem. And if he did, can you imagine the response oh he would gosh. get for one? And two, yeah. the fact that Dan Mullen was even allowed to come back out, out of the locker room is ridiculous. You you nailed it. Like you nailed it. It, it, it. He is completely different. 
There are other words that I would use instead of chill for what he needs to do. But, like, Dan Mullen, you know, like, so I, I saw this happen, and I was like, what? what is going on right now? Because, like, I didn't see it happen in real time. I saw, like, it reported, like, from, like, Matthew Barry on, like, you know, at the halftime report. I flipped I like, the channel right on? before it. I, I flipped because then they called him out for the, for an additional halftime play, and I flipped it back. I'm like, wait a minute. What right. did I just miss? So, and then and I couldn't find it anywhere on Twitter. I was like, oh, maybe it's not that big of a deal. And so then I see it, and, and I, I, got, I did the Facebook Live afterwards, like, at the end of the night, and I still didn't really have a full, concrete understanding of what, what had happened. And we're doing the Facebook Live, and there's several people that were like, yeah, Mullen started it. And I assumed it was just other fans, like just giving, making him the scapegoat or whatever. Watching the video and, and understanding from today, that is what happened. Dan Mullen started that entire situation. No and doubt. I tell you what, like, there's other people that were involved, sure. I didn't think it was that egregious of a hit. I, like, I'm, I get sticking up for your players. It's the yeah. opposite of what the Cowboys did with Andy Dalton last week, and, and, and you love to see that from your teammates, sure. Um, if you're the head coach of a team... The moment you start doing like that, it's like it it makes it makes it okay for everyone else exactly. on the team yeah. to start doing that, and it, it sets a bad example. You know, like I tell you what, you like the past. I do say I tell you what a lot. I didn't realize that. Um, <laughs> so, so like think about Dan Mullen throughout the season. We joked around about it, like the A and M game. He he was like me, and he's just like flying off the handle and and, and like blaming stuff on the A and M had too many people in the stands. And we, I hope we pack out the swamp. And and then I, I I don't know this part, but I did see this was like from like Florida Twitter that he had criticized players missing practice so they could go vote uh, earlier this week or said it was like unfortunate or something. Yeah, he that was part of, that was taken out of context a little bit. He had said most guys have already early voted. It's kind of it's difficult to be able to juggle this week during a week. Yeah. You know, during a middle of the week, they had two weeks that they were away from the facility. So okay. I, I I'll give them yeah, a, a that's bit fair. of a pass for that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. That's okay. And and I'm glad you clarified that. So so take that off the board, but like we saw what happened with a and Then he makes the, the very unfortunate comments about packing out the stadium. And then you have a COVID outbreak on your team. And, and, and you have how many people are going to be out, how many people like might, might have gotten it, all this stuff. And then you go into this game and he flies off the handle. And like the fact that he was even allowed to go back on the sidelines is mind-blowing to me. The, the stuff he did coming back out, trying to pump up the fans. First off, let me tell you something right now, Dan. You don't fight somebody wearing Dockers. You, like it's like... I said this last night on the Facebook Live. Like, like I remember being drunk in college and being like a, like a hothead sometimes. If, but if I was wearing sandals, you're not going to get into a fight. Why are you trying to get, fight somebody with pleated khakis on? It looks ridiculous. And then after the game, shows up to the press conference in, in a Darth Vader mask. And what I saw from Florida fans for the most part, and I get it because they're fans, was this very blind like defending of him of, yeah, he's, just, he's defending his quarterback, which he wasn't. He wasn't. He, he like, admitted that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which was, well, I don't know why he admitted it, but yeah, it's, it's still. So then, and then it's like, well, he's got to stick up for his players. And like, that, that's my coach, blah, blah, blah. Then he shows up to the press conference in a Darth Vader mask. And, and I remember somebody responded to me and it was like, think about it, dude. When did Star Wars come out? 1980. Georgia didn't win a national championship since 1980. If that is what he did, okay. Wait till you but beat like, him, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, sure. But when you, yeah, when you look at it, you have the the outburst after the A and M thing. You have you have his freaking out uh, on the sidelines, then coming back out, pumping the crowd, then showing up to a press conference in a Darth Vader outfit. The what what makes this podcast great, Connor, is I fly off the handle a lot. I I react with emotion way more than logic. Like initially, like it takes me a couple minutes to calm down. A lot of times, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what, that was an overreaction. You are the total opposite. You handle stuff with like decorum and like professionalism and stuff like that. There's nothing that Dan Mullen is showing that that is like that. 
It's 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 honestly like I, I made the joke about being emotionally unstable, but that's exactly what it looks like. It, it it's it's like a it's a, a like I'm not, I'm not gonna get into like some like you know psychological psychological thing, but like to be that up and down. It's, it's, it's weird. really odd. It's, it's really weird. odd to see in, in real time too, and and I, I just I don't I don't I don't like it. And the fact that he should, he should he should have been suspended for the rest of that game. Did you see Eli Drinkwitz's his his response? Like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it me, one hundred percent. I I have said on this podcast before there are not five coaches in all of college football that I would take over Dan Mullen. I would start my program with him in a heartbeat. I think he is an exceptional yeah. play caller. I think he develops quarterbacks in a way that very few people in this sport can. I think Dan Mullen's great at his job. I think whatever he's been doing this year, he needs to take a little bit of those 2018 happy pills that he was taking when he was dancing with Felipe Franks on the sideline yeah, and getting bro. him to shake his hips. He was telling Felipe, bro, just chill out. You know what Dan Mullen needs to do right now? Just chill out, man. Just chill out. You can't yeah. fly off the handle like that. You just can't do that when you're an SEC coach in this spot and you're talking about a team with playoff implications and stuff like that. He can't risk getting suspended for stuff like that. I mean, I don't think they would suspend him. Dan but they, should probably, okay, okay. he should probably be fined at this point, though. I mean, if Kiffin's oh, going to get fined for being, right, fined for being, yeah. being right about SEC <laughs> officiating, Dan Mullen should probably be fined for inciting a brawl. Just a thought. I, I firmly believe they will not suspend him, and I don't think they're even going to uh, suspend for the first half. Um, I think you might see a quarter suspension at most for any of the key players that were involved in that. I, I, don't, I don't think the SEC will suspend him because they have routinely shown they, they don't If he do doesn't right get separated... If he doesn't get separated by those guys, the way he was going after that official. Yeah. What are we talking? I mean, that that could have been something way, way worse. He was I don't think Mullen's like the, a tough enough dude to like fight somebody, to be honest. But like, but he he was he was it, it was like it was a very angry stepdad at a little league world series or little league game, like getting kicked out because he's yelling with the umpire or that type of like like trying to like assert some dominance in this very weird way, and, and not like really, like like from his personality, we've never seen that from him before. But but I, I think that honestly, the scary thing for me for Dan Mullen, and the knock on him is like, yeah, you said build a program, great, for the first couple couple years, but when, it time, when it's time to start winning a championship, yeah. that's why I wouldn't choose Dan Mullen, because he's, he's never proven that he can do that or beat ranked top 10 teams in a consistent fashion. When, when I look at, like, Bama games a lot of times, like, in the season, I'm like, all right, I don't care about Arkansas. I don't care about Mississippi State. It's like a two-game schedule. To, and, and, like, and the big picture is always in mind. And that's just me from a fan. I, I know that, like, Saban, big picture, right? Big picture, you're always planning for the next game, the biggest game, the one that's going to win you a championship. Dan Mullen has proven, in my opinion, from this, once again, he has no concept of how to win a championship because – he did. He put himself and his team in every position possible to cost them already a game they haven't played yet next week against their biggest rival. This isn't pushing buttons, in my opinion. The good news, though, and I know Florida fans are listening to this thing. Are you guys just going to talk about the game? The, <laughs> yeah. the game in itself was a welcome sight for Florida fans. Yeah. Because yep. this defense, which has been terrible, especially uh -huh. against third downs, was awesome last night. Yeah. Did not allow an offensive touchdown until three minutes left in this game. That, by the way, was without three starting defensive backs. Yeah. Without Wilson, Davis, Steiner. You're without eight total starting defensive backs 
and it did not matter. You get Kyrie Campbell back on that defensive line. He was big up front. The defense was so much better in terms of open field tackling, mm-hmm. and Todd Grantham said they simplified things. It wasn't necessarily about this, these exotic blitzes. They wanted to not necessarily put this yeah. young secondary on <laughs> islands, which what a crazy thought. Hey, right. Yeah. That worked. You adjusted. <laughs> you had two weeks, three weeks actually, to be able to make these adjustments, and a Florida team that you know we're wondering about how are they going to look after two weeks away in the middle of the season without yeah. any sort of football activity where they shut down the facility that can sucks. they can they survive 60 minutes on the field with what Mizzou's going to try and do I thought they were going to try and pound the rock Larry Roundtree was held to basically nothing like two and a half yeah. yards of carry they did a great job defending him this was a huge huge lift for this Florida defense that looked like a total liability in the first three games I, I tell you what was most impressive to me. Like I'm, I'm glad they got it worked out because it was, you know, people joke about third and Grantham all the time, and I get that like narrative, especially because of like, you know, that, that I feel like that narrative is, is fully formed from like older stuff, but it started to rear its head again because of some of the uh, you know performances from the early part of the season. What they were able to do stopping the run game. You mentioned it with Larry Roundtree. They they held them I think to like less than was it 40 yards or something like that. It was like less than two yards of carry. And, and, like, I don't think that Mizzou is, you know, the best rushing offense in the conference or nation like that. But we you saw last week what they were able to do against a very good Kentucky defense. And and the fact that I, I, I would have thought that at the very least they would have been able to gash for a couple of big plays. This Florida defense has been very susceptible to the run. It, that was that was the best thing I saw from Florida yesterday. Because And I only say that because the offense – did exactly what we've seen them do all year. They looked fantastic. Kyle Trask looked. Did you see that ball Kyle Trask threw in the corner? Or uh, down, mean, uh, down the right sideline? I would think that that's what an elite SEC quarterback would do. I, You know, I'm not an expert necessarily. I don't, I don't do this for a living. <laughs> but that's, that's just a thought. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you're, you're right. Like, he, he is an elite. He is an elite SEC quarterback. Shout out to Kyle Trask. I know Florida fans are... Um, they were telling me about this all night last night. He has 18 touchdowns in four games. No Set other SEC quarterback ever done that set an SEC record. He's on pace for 45 in a 10-game regular season. That's pretty elite. That's if, pretty he gets, elite. if he gets 10 games, too. I mean, that's – yeah, it's really elite. He, and Kadarius Tony doing Kadarius Tony things. Oh the the run game looks better. Um, Kadarius Tony is – Can we is, talk is about so that good. real quick? What he did yeah. on that play to shake off Nick Bolton, who Nick yeah. Bolton is as sure-handed a tackler Does as it? there yeah. is in the SEC. And I don't know how you tackle Kadarius Tony. I don't have a, a plan of attack to be able to – I again, yeah. he is the epitome of couldn't tackle him in a phone booth. But what he did to shake off Nick Bolton, where he just – threw him off him off his back like a ragdoll, like a dad in the pool who has kids jumping on him. <laughs> and he's like, get off me, kid. That is what Kadarius yeah. Tony did to one of the best linebackers in all of college football on that play and then just turned around, just ran in for a touchdown, like no big thing. By the way, that over-under that I set for the combined Kadarius Tony kyle Pitts touchdowns was three. How many touchdowns did those two have? Three, thanks to Kadarius yeah. Tony having three touchdowns. He is he's scoring a touchdown once every four point two touches. Well, isn't it great? Once you start getting him the ball, that's a ridiculous. Step, he has improved a lot I, though. It's not just as simple as like getting him the ball. No, I know. He's well, he gotten so much better as a as a route runner in separation. Yeah. And some of the things that he can do, they can do a lot more things with him this year than what they were able to do in years past. Especially since they're actually getting in the ball, but yes, um, so, <laughs> it's not always that like, easy. It's just not. I, I just, I, I will say, 
So I saw one Florida fan comment, and this is on Twitter, so it's not like, I, like I'm not saying Florida fans are saying this, but this one guy was saying how Kadarius Tony's better than Jalen Waddle, and he's not, um, to be very clear about that. But you know what I thought of last night? You know who he reminds me of? It's not Waddle. It's like a combination. And again, I want to be very clear. I don't think he's better than either of these receivers, but a combination of Judy Jerry Judy and Waddle. Oh, like a, yeah. the way he the is stick in the like foot in the ground. Yeah. Yeah, like in yeah. tight spaces and how he's able to get in and out of breaks and stuff like that so quickly. And then also have this, the the breakaway speed. It really is. It, there is it, he's he's very very special. And I think now especially with Waddle out, like there there are there's no one else that can emulate like from that position what he does. There's not. There's there's other great receivers in the SEC. There's there's guys that that are good going across the middle or good in tight spaces or, or good like on you know, like breakaway speed. He he just does all of those things. <laughs> he just he's so good. If you don't have a rooting interest, I don't have a rooting interest either mm-hmm. in, in any of this stuff. It doesn't matter to me who wins. I get paid either way. But if you don't have a rooting interest, say a prayer to the football gods and we can just keep Kadarius Tony healthy yeah. in 2020 because what he's doing right now is absurd and it is so so fun to watch when he gets the ball in his hands. I made the comparison. Yeah, it's like a three point shooter when he crosses half court. And he, a three-point shooter that's just in the zone like that. When Steph Curry gets in yeah. certain zones, when he's shooting from the logo, it's just unbelievable to watch. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the team that Florida's facing next week with Kentucky and Georgia. So hold on real quick. Did you know that you can go right now to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash shop, and you can find all of our new T-shirts that we're doing with Breaking Tea. Awesome, awesome stuff. If you have not seen any of these yet, maybe you didn't see the Penny Lane t-shirt that we got out there. Maybe you didn't see the Yezer t-shirt that we have, who our good buddy Peter Burns was rocking. There are so many great new designs that we are putting together with our friends at Breaking Tea that you need to go and and grab one of these t-shirts because they're selling fast. We are selling so many of these. They're topical. You're going to be able to wear them to your next tailgate. You're going to be able to wear them to your next, you know, wherever you're watching these games in this weird 2020 year. Go hook yourself up. Treat yourself. Buy yourself a a t-shirt. It's been a crappy year, but if you go over to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash shop, I promise you you're going to find a t-shirt that you like. Our friends at Breaking Tea are going to hook you up. It's going to be the cool shirt that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be rocking at the tailgate. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So go do that now. SaturdayDownSouth.com slash shop. Kentucky, Georgia. Ugh. If you watch this game. Sorry. I, I apologize. You knew it was going to be rough. You knew that the under was a very likely scenario. The over-under in this game was what, like 41 or something? 42. Oh, my gosh, and it didn't even come close to hitting that. Again, once Georgia went up 14-3 on that Samir White touchdown, it was over. Uh, Kentucky's offense with Joey Gatewood in his first career start, that was that just wasn't going to happen. And you, you knew it, it very early was on. Was it him, though? Like, or is it no, it's, it's not just calling? Him. It's not just him. It's still Eddie Grant in this play calling. They didn't want to put Joey Gatewood in those spots to take shots downfield, even when it's late in the game. And you're trying to come up with yeah. a late scoring drive to make it a one-score game. And Kentucky's out here running this South Carolina Mike Bobo two-minute drill, which mm-hmm. isn't really a two-minute drill. It's more of like an eight, nine-minute drill. And that doesn't work. seconds off the clock with less than oh two my. minutes to go. I just I didn't get that. Ugh, I hated watching it. It was terrible. I feel bad for Kentucky fans that so they've had to watch two games of football like that in a row that have just been a nightmare offensively. Yeah. As a Chicago Bears fan, trust me when I when I say to you, I can relate to what you are going through, Kentucky fans. Again, though, 
it's the Georgia defense. We know the Georgia defense mm-hmm. is really good. We're going to talk about that in a minute here. Zamir White, career high in rushing yards and in carries. They relied on him a ton. You knew that was going to be the plan of attack before the Florida game. And with the fact that uh, Georgia was playing without George Pickens and Kenny McIntosh as well. Oh! No, I'm thinking of Milton. Never mind. I was wondering I was wondering why. No, Milton was playing. Okay. Okay, never mind. Milton played. Stetson Bennett. I get it. You're without those two guys. The game plan was very vanilla. Picked off twice in this game, one of which in the red zone on a batted ball, which, again, when you're 5'11 at quarterback or whatever you are, and that continues to happen, that is not a good sign. Georgia fans are frustrated, and they want Kirby Smart. I don't want to say every single Georgia fan wants this, but I feel like a good amount of them want Kirby Smart to make the change ahead of the Florida game, despite the fact that Kirby said before and he said after, Stetson Bennett is the guy. The only scenario. And I mean the only scenario that I think this actually happens where he goes to Dewan Mathis or he goes to JT Daniels, who was actually warming up and in pads in a road game. Crazy thought, right? If we see a repeat of the 2017 college football playoff national championship (laughs) where Georgia does what Alabama did. And Georgia looks up at halftime and says, hey, we're down two scores and our offense can't do a thing right now. That is the only way and which I think Kirby would finally realize I need to make a change at the quarterback position because I don't think he's going to do it before this game. I really don't. Yeah, I could have stopped you very early in that sentence and told you that wasn't going to happen. I, like, I, I'm, I don't even – I honestly, I'm not trying to be salty to Georgia fans or whatever. I, I hate you guys are having to go through this. I'm, I'm so over even having the conversation because there's just no part of me that thinks he's ever going to do the right thing, and I don't think he – What is the right thing? With the right thing right is to not play the same – quarterback i'm sorry i'm gonna like i mean it's it's absolutely like listen dewan math has played for a half of football a half less less less, less than, than a half. half and then you bring in sets and bennett against arkansas on the road and and you for, against all odds have a comeback win against a team that won two games last year this arkansas team's been good this year and it's a road game whatever at some point all the excuses and i think honestly from fans they've stopped the only person we haven't heard stop making the excuses is Kirby. Like, like, I don't care if George Pickens is out, because, because, like, no offense, Kier Jackson's been better than him all year anyway. You know, like, I don't care if the other receiver's out. You have five stars everywhere, everywhere. You have a new offensive coordinator. We heard nonstop Todd Monk is gonna air air it out, and he throws the ball on 63% of his passes, and it's different in the run game, and Kirby suffocated that as soon as things started to go wrong. Like, I mean, like, this is, this offense is so, it's just awful to watch. I don't, there's just no other way to put it. Like, what? I'll, def- I'll defend that game plan against Kentucky a I mean, little sure. bit and just say, look what, look at what just worked really, really well against Kentucky, what Mizzou did the previous week. You knew that they were going to try and run mm-hmm. the ball and especially not necessarily open things up in the passing game as much when you know that you have Florida the next week. They're not going to come out with that same exact game plan against Florida. And There's it is no now way. the fifth game of the year. You're going into a must-win of against your biggest rival, and you have done what to prepare for, for that from the air raid or, or from, from like the passing offense? Nothing. The, 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 like you could you could argue even by throwing only 13 passes, they took another giant step backwards because of the two interceptions and the fact that like that that passing game 
is awful. There's no creativity. And, and then Kirby's afterwards praising the fact that Todd took two shots. And I get, I, listen, I get the, the way to beat Kentucky. You, we saw, like, Mizzou laid out a perfect blueprint the week before. Adam Spencer brought it up, and it, it, he was spot on with it. You're Georgia. You've won 10 straight games against Kentucky. You don't yeah. need to only run the football to beat Kentucky. You could have beaten them in a number of ways. The fact that you showed absolutely zero creativity on offense or different type of offense, like you made any changes in the bye week, was stunning to me. Like, you're right. Like, you did not need they – they could have not thrown the ball a single time and won that game. They had a 12-game – or 12-play, 86-yard drive. Opening drive, drive they didn't. Yeah. And, and they, that was the game-winning drive. And they, they yeah. ran the ball 12 straight times. You didn't have to throw the football to beat Kentucky. But you know what? Like, when it's a 10-game season and you got to play Bama again, and, and you're basically at this point, in my opinion – no offense, guys. Will they play Bama again? They're, they're, they're going into – that game next week is, is pretty much, as of right now, in my opinion – Whoever wins gets to go get their brains beat in by Alabama. Because th this is – I thought Georgia was going to turn the corner and this offense would start, you know, like it would come together as the, as the season got, has gone on. It hasn't. It hasn't. It, like it, it, they haven't shown any commitment to changing it either, which is the most concerning part. And I'll tell you what, did Stetson Bennett – like I used to wonder about this with like Bama's special teams coach. Did Stetson Bennett see Kirby Smart murder somebody or something? Like, is there a reason why he is still the starter and, like, no one else has even stepped on the field? The JT Daniels thing is weird. The JT the Daniels Dwan thing Mathis is, thing is weird. Well, the, the Dwan Mathis thing, I think we looked at that at the time and we said, clearly kid's not ready. If you can't do that against Arkansas, which at the time, let's remember what we thought of Arkansas. Right. Because perception is huge in mm -hmm. those moments. That has aged a little bit differently, and I've said this the last couple of weeks, where now you're looking back at that Arkansas defense who's been ready to go with every single week, probably with the exception of this week. But I think that ahead of – this is – Kirby has now put himself in a really difficult spot. And I'm not saying that I even have the answer for this right now. Yeah. Because we've seen in the past, you know, he rides the hot hand at quarterback, and he plays – Georgia fans say he just plays his favorites. Well, I, I think he plays his guys that he feels like, all right – if I put you in a tough spot and I've seen you succeed in that before, that matters a lot. We saw what Jake Fromm did when he came in for Jacob Eason. And obviously at the move the move at the time to stay with Jake Fromm was an obvious one. Right. But this is different. And this is different now because Dewan Mathis got a very, very small sample size. JT Daniels is apparently healthy now. There was debate as to whether or not he was healthy in the beginning of the year. And now you're left in this spot where are you really going to roll out Dewan Mathis Nope. In this game against Florida, are you really going to roll out JT Daniels in this game against Florida when he hasn't been able to get a single rep all year? It's it's a weird, weird spot. And now the problem, too, and this is the underlying issue, we've said in the past with this team and with this offense, well, you know, they don't have to put up 30. Their, their defense no. is going to be able to, to keep them in these games that, you know, even if they're facing elite competition. The problem now is as good as that defense looked against Kentucky – it is banged up. And I don't mean just like, yeah, a key player yeah. here and there is banged up. Oh, Monty Rice is dealing with an ankle. No, 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 no. Before we even heard about Richard LeCount and, and the, the traffic injury that he had with the motorcycle, uh, it's been debated if it was a motorcycle or a moped, whatever it was. Yeah. Not great. Concussion, apparently, bruised ribs is what's being reported. Jordan Davis, Quay Walker, DJ Daniel, Tyreek Stevens. You have all of these guys, Rochester as well, the defensive tackle. I know that George is loaded. We praise the depth. We really, really have. These guys came back 
because they wanted to get to Atlanta. They wanted to get over that Alabama hurdle. This is a Florida defense that, as we saw against Mizzou again, you can't keep them down for 60 minutes. They're going to get theirs, and they're a little bit more diverse than what we've seen Georgia have to deal with in years past. That is a problem if you are not at full strength. And I wonder, with a team that is as banged up as Georgia is, that now just doesn't have that margin for error, how will this team look next week? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I just I hate it for virtual account. I hate it for these kids, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't remember hearing uh, anyone um, outside of Tuscaloosa feeling sorry for injuries last year. So, uh, Easy I, you know, no, I just I mean, like, it's a part of the game. I, I did hear it. you say it. Uh, and I know I know that I, I beat that like a dead horse last year and people like laughed at it. But, yeah, this is it. Like, it's like and, and again, this is why I, I harped on with Dan Mullen earlier, like big picture, big picture. Like you have to do stuff all like when you're a program like Georgia, I hate to say it, like cover your ears, Kentucky fans. That's a practice game. Like that, that's a scrimmage. It does. They were never going to lose that game ever, ever at any point. It was literally over the first drive. You have to use games like that to work on things. Like, like you know, I, I talk about all the time, like having like a perfect win when you know you make a couple lapses on defense, or there you maybe you miss a field goal. There's things you can work on in the bye week, or in in like the next week of practice. Georgia had a bye week after a devastating loss, and I and I, I did a, a deep dive into this. Kirby Kirby's record coming off a loss was incredible. Okay, like or and also with a bye week, he's seven and three coming off a loss since 2017, but off a bye week or, or having an extra week to prepare. In the last 12 games he's had since this is again since uh, 2017, he's 10 and two straight up, 10 and two against the spread. He's had or 10 of those 12 games were also away from home. And he shut out eight of those 12 opponents in the first quarter, right? Held nine of those 12 opponents to under a touchdown or less in the first half. They came, they seemed to come out on fire or with their hair on fire when they have an extra week to prepare. And I was excited to see something different after a really embarrassing loss to Alabama. And this is what we got. Georgia's in a different spot now than they were three, four weeks ago. Welcome to the SEC in 2020. They're gonna get there. Like it's it. I, they're gonna beat Florida. They're gonna they're gonna win out. Mm. But it's like, dude, it, like th- this is why I think when you get into these big moments, like in these big games, we haven't seen Kirby be able to turn the corner and get over that hump because leading up to it, it like it, the fact that you said actually in your press conference and listen, defend your guys, defend your hires, whatever. But the fact that you actually you you thought it was a good thing that the offense took two shots in the passing game. You know their leading receiver was Setson Bennett completed passes. We talked about Jake Fromm last year, 9 of James 12. James Cook was the leading receiver for the second James streaking. Cook was the leading receiver. That's a problem, guys. There was only two players that caught more than one pass. One of them was the tight end, uh, Washington. Darnell the, Washington. Yeah, he was a nice freak. Nice floater on the right sideline. Yeah, great pass. And then and then, and James, who had four receptions, only four, only four different receivers. I understand two of them were out, caught passes. This, there's no... There's no creativity. There's no dynamicness, as I know it's not a word, in this dynamic offense. Georgia has one completion of 20 or more yards to a wide receiver in the last two games. That's not good. That's not going to cut it. I'm salty. Not going to cut it. All right, let's get you more salty. Uh, No, not salty at all. Mississippi State, Alabama. Uh, Nick Saban's 69th birthday. Oh, man. What a day. He had himself a nice day. A shutout for Saban. A 41 to nothing beat down Mike Leach's first ever 
shutout, which I you could argue is his second yeah. because really Kentucky was a Kentucky shutout. Kentucky did it first, the, in my opinion. He got the safety. Yeah. But you have an entire week to prep for Alabama. And I understand. K.J. Costello goes down early on. He takes an inadvertent knee to the head. Kind of a scary play. You hate seeing a guy. I hate seeing guys days like yeah, that on the God, field. Looked, that Ugly. did not look good, dude. That did not look good at all. And you feel bad. K.J. Yeah. Costello shouldn't have been starting this game anyways. It should yeah, have been Will Rogers' start. I don't know why K.J. Costello starts that game. MSU averaged 3.4 yards per attempt. Only two interceptions, though. So I guess, you know, they hit the under on that. Congratulations. One of them was that pick six that Patrick Sertan um, helped get Alabama to 41 and helped Alabama continue the streak of 35-plus, yeah. which dates back to the start of the 2019 season. Credit the Alabama defense, Pete Golding and Nick Saban. If we're going to give Pete Golding all that crap when Alabama doesn't look very good, the guy deserves at least some credit for seeing the blueprint that every other team in the SEC yeah. has been able to follow with the exception of LSU. And... Alabama actually didn't even do the drop eight thing exclusively. They were bringing no, five no. and six sometimes on third down. It still didn't matter. Mississippi State wasn't going to have a chance. But their base defense that game was still to be able to, to drop eight. Man, I, I mean, what a beatdown that was. And a game that from, what was it, like six minutes in, seven minutes in, you knew it was over. Um. Yeah, well, that game was over when it started. I, I, I thought I thought that it was, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but like I mean, they haven't lost to Mississippi State since 2007. Like so, thirty points like, spread, and it was never. I mean, it was. Uh, I guess it was kind of in doubt, but I was frustrated Vegas about that. Vegas dared you. Vegas dared you <laughs> yeah, to take man. to take Mississippi State, and it didn't even matter. And I even t- I even took Mississippi State first half total uh, total points score because I thought they would get. So, uh, I just thought they'd be able to dial up something. And I said on this podcast on like the other day, like, listen, coming off a bye. He was five and ten. I said five and nine. He was actually five and ten because the game, the game leading up to that, the article I read, that stat, he lost that one too. Like uh, least, he did, yeah. he did not make a lot of uh, good adjustments in the bye week. Obviously, this, you know, this, you know what this offense is ranked in the SEC for scoring. Is it thirteenth? Yes, fourteen point eight points per game, and seven and a half in the last four games. Yeah, it's it's just what an incredible difference since since game one. I know we talk about it every week. I hated the KJ Costello thing. That was just bizarre, um, and it, it was very scary to, to see as well. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, I, I thought that the, the pass rush from Bama still isn't good. It's just not. I, I don't understand how um, they look better at times. They did some things, but uh, the secondary I was really impressed with, and and I, I thought their ability to keep people in front of them, like like. The moment somebody caught a pass, they were usually down. And I was I was very pleased with that. I'm going to give you a hot take about Mac Jones. And I know a lot of you are sitting here like already rolling your eyes think I'm going to say something. I think Mac Jones is about to take a big-time regression going into the rest of the season. And here's why. What? Yeah, I do. So, without Jalen Waddell, I, like, David Pollock has caught a lot of heat for saying Bama's not going to win the national title without Jalen Waddell. He said they're gonna, done. Yeah, he I'm not going to go that far because that's, that's just stupid. Um, you know, we've seen how many times have we seen Bama with injuries still go and make like make and win the national championship? But Jalen Waddell said that like last week, there's no other player in the country that can do what he does. It was a bigger loss to this offense than Mac Jones, in my opinion. What we saw last night, you can you can sit here if you want and say that Devontae Smith had another career game and he looked incredible and he did this and he did that. What I saw, and I've been wrong before, but what I saw was Mac Jones getting locked in on one guy, and that was going to be his first read, 
every time. And, and, and honestly, the backup read was probably going to be Najee out of the backfield. And I think we're going to see, not as bad, but we are going to see, not from like a creative standpoint, like a play calling, but I, th- I think it is going to look like a fraction of what we saw with Jalen Hurts and Calvin Ridley in 2017, or a better example is A.J. McCarron and, and Amari Cooper in 2012. That's interesting. I think Mac Jones goes through his progressions pretty well. And I right. tend to think, <laughs> I tend to think though, he, he's, I think you need to be able to recognize when your receiver mm-hmm. is getting open like that and he's getting such separation because Devontae Smith had something like, what did he have, like 120 yards at the end of the first quarter? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> stupid. Was Mississippi stupid, State yeah. didn't. Mississippi State didn't have an answer for him. And, and that poor Mississippi State defense, I, they fought, man. I, Zach yeah. Garnett's been so much better than I thought he was going to be in this conference. That's a group that still plays really, really hard. And I, I, I feel terrible for those guys that they have to continue to be put in these spots. And it sucks. But they had no no answer for yeah. Devontae Smith, who has just become such a complete player. And I don't care if he's only 175 pounds yeah. soaking wet. That dude has just be, become one of the, the best receivers in SEC history. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And you're going to look back at his numbers one day, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh. What this guy has been able to do over the course of his career is just remarkable. And when you can see him take over a game like that, I mean, forget about it. Just forget about it. Yeah, How many receivers no. can, can do that? I agree um, with that. I think that um, what you're saying, like, it's, I think you're spot on with that. I, I, I do. I, I, you're right about that. I, I just think that at the same time, like, it's easy to get comfortable, especially when you don't have that other guy. Should Bama be number one after Clemson struggles? Yes, without a doubt. And if I hear anything about Ohio State, I'll fight you. All right, let's move on. Arkansas, A&M, game that was played in College Station, oddly enough. That felt a little weird. It, hold like on, hold on. You think Ohio State should be ranked number one? No. Okay. No, Do I just really? didn't want you to fight me. No, okay. I, I, I don't. <laughs> kind of I think Ohio State has wins. No, I, I watched Ohio State uh, really close, especially in week one. And then I was watching that game, um, you know, a little bit more intermittently against Penn State. But I think Ohio State still has some issues to be able to figure out on the defensive side. Um, yeah, Justin, it, Fields is, Justin Fields is, is not fair. I mean, he's just not. I just am not. Like, I get it. it, it but it's it the same. Like, I, I was asked this on radio this morning. They were like, the I, and I knew it was going to happen. And Justin Fields is the second best player in the country. He's, we are seeing other quarterbacks do what he's doing. Look at look at the the way that he is locating right now. It is insane. Matt Corral was thirty one of thirty four yesterday. I guess I understand it's against a bad Vandy defense, but like we've seen Mac Jones do it. We've seen Matt Corral do it. We've seen Kyle Trask do it. We've seen Trevor Lawrence do it. We've seen it's the it's, windows. It's the windows is the difference. Not. It's the windows that he's yes. It is the windows that he's fitting the balls and watch watch Justin Fields. Over he the course Penn, of, of a he game. He played Penn State yesterday, who was missing a top five pick in the NFL draft on defense. And, and they looked like I'm not saying he's not he's not great, but like I was asked this morning, they were like, is he now the front runner for the Heisman? I was like, did Mac Jones die? Did did Kyle Trask die? Like, like what is what like I I think this is so much based off of and he had an incredible year last year, and, and I think he will have a great year this year. But the media, the way they are. We are so ingrained into picking what we think is going to be right for the season. They are already on that with with, with I'm, uh, Justin I'm Fields. I'm telling you, I don't have a dog in this fight, and I just stood up for Mac Jones. 
Yeah. What Justin Fields is doing right now is video game stuff. It is His accuracy and precision. not better than other players. I'm saying watch him play football and then tell me that he is not an extraordinary player and one of the, the best in this sport at the quarterback position in recent memory. I truly believe that watching him play. All right. I had Arkansas. a significant Anna. amount of money on that game last night, so I did watch it, sir. Yes. What an offensive showing it was by AM against Barry Odom's defense, who we have praised on this podcast many a time. AM, what they have right now is an identity with Kellen Mond, Anaya Smith, mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Watermeyer. They have it rolling. And a big difference besides Anaya Smith who has quickly become one of my favorite players to watch in this Mm -hmm. conference because of the various things that he can do, the balance that he has tiptoeing the sideline. The Maroon Goons, as they call them. By the way, um, my my uncle, so not my uncle, my father-in-law and I have this... have this thing we both wore maroon shirts on a vacation a year ago and we took these like the dorkiest pictures you'll ever see and we called ourselves the goons in maroon because we wore maroon shirts and now i see that AM has taken that name and if they are not just as dorky as we were then i'll be really <laughs> upset yeah. um, but they're, they're the difference and they are making this offense have room to breathe i was amazed mm-hmm. hearing that stat about Kellen about how he hadn't been sacked since the opener? What? He went yeah. like a month without getting sacked? This is the guy who's been sacked left and right throughout his career. A lot of it has been his own doing, in my opinion, holding on to the football too long. They are doing things differently. And as someone who was saying, look, don't get all hyped up about AM, man, watching them, I, I had him predicted to go four and one. So this isn't necessarily like some crazy thing, but that's what I had in the crystal ball. I am taking a step back, and I'm like, this team actually is turning the corner yeah. in year three from an offensive standpoint, without a doubt. I think defensively they still have some issues on the back end, but I was super impressed with what I they saw good. again from them. Yeah, they, I thought um, I I thought that we were finally going to see the curve kind of catch up to Arkansas because it's, you can't keep overlooking. You had this game right. You had this yeah, game Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I went 6-0 and in my picks yesterday, and I, but I went 2-4 and four against the spread because these damn backdoor covers. It is admittedly hard for me to look at any point of this game uh, and not immediately go to my anger towards Sam Pittman for scoring with 36 seconds left to have a backdoor cover by one point. Got to keep playing. The game was over. It was. It was the game was over, Connor. And then you know what Gotta someone get- said. You know what someone actually said in response to that on Twitter? They said it was dumb for you to even put it on A&M in the first place. And I was like, you, sir, are a moron. They are up by 25 in the fourth quarter. Anyway, regardless, uh, A&M at home especially, I, I, I hate – there were two things I saw yesterday that, I, that I made me really miss, like the pageantry part of football. This game being played in Dallas because it's a better game there. Regard, like it's just that, it, The moment they announced it was going to A&M, especially with how much – better how, how different A&M and Kellen Mond are at, at home versus on the road and I think yeah. you're right I think they have turned the corner but I still think that there is truth in that in that story um the moment they changed the venue for it, I thought this was a, a mismatch uh at, at home then the other one was also god that was depressing to see Penn State empty for that game they kept showing the the whiteout <laughs> the fake whiteout crowd. There was one point where for Fowler just bursts out laughing when they show the whiteout and the crowd of these empty these empty seats. Man, yeah, it is it is strange. Too. I make this fun of the like the Big Ten a lot, but that was like really that like hurt my heart to see to see that. It it was just it was tough. But um 
No, I, I think I think there was a lot of positive takeaway from this for A and M, and I think, you know, every everyone that kind of wanted to lump them in with this whole there we we see this every year, and and you know I, I was kind of hard I, on yeah, them early I was in the year. Them. Um, you know, I, I thought like from, on the big picture and grand scheme of things that they would be able to get to eight and two, nine and one. I, I don't know about nine and one actually, but eight and two seemed reasonable. I I did not think that Kellen Mond would be this good. Kellen Mond passed Johnny Manziel for passing yards, and, and I know that he's been there for a lot longer. But that's it's still like thing. we don't give him we don't give him the credit from a career standpoint, especially of how how good he's been. Well, yeah, and. The Jekyll and Hyde numbers are, are all still there, mm-hmm. and um, but I, I do see him looking different and not just yep. like a home and road split sort of thing. I think that this A&M team is clearly number two in the West, even yeah. though Auburn obviously just put together a really good game and Auburn is sitting there at four and two and feeling really good about itself, but I would argue that A&M and what they have done to be able to keep their foot on the gas mm-hmm. since that really lackluster start that they had has been, has been impressive. Are we... Buying that they are a playoff contender because that's that's the buzz. And I know PB has been big on this the last few weeks saying that the path is super favorable. And it, it, it all of a sudden is because maybe the toughest matchup left on that schedule is at Auburn. Like, this should be an 8-2 and two year for A&M, should it not? Yeah. No, no, you're right. I don't think – I wouldn't say they're going to – they're a playoff contender. And I think that that's because Ohio State is a playoff contender. They will get to the playoff. But if they're favored for the rest of their matchups at nine and one, sorry to interrupt you. If they're favored at the rest of their matchups at nine and one, and on the outside looking in, and their one loss ends up being to an Alabama team that, if they do run the table in yeah. the SEC, and that's the lone blemish, it there's only that makes there's you only one path. There's only one path for that to happen, in my opinion. And there's a lot of things that would have to happen for for that. So you would you would have to have Bama beat Georgia twice and convincingly. The second time as well. You're just penciling Georgia in there, aren't you? Oh, sure. Or Florida. Whatever. Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it, Dan Mullen makes a championship game. I, sure. Um, God, he's going to make a championship game, isn't he? And the Falcons yeah, you are going to draft Kyle Trask. You just think so. I, w- I would rather play Florida than Georgia. Do you know what Bama will do to Florida's defense? I'm not going to yeah. start with this. I, Bama, Nick Saban will run. I'm not going to do this with you right now. Regardless... Um, God, that would be a, that would be a blessing if we could play Florida. Uh, so, like, what's, what would have to happen is Bama has to beat whoever comes out of the East, there convincingly in the SEC championship game, right? So they they could they cannot split. They cannot split, right? The other thing that has to happen and has to has to happen is Clemson has to, Clemson or Notre Dame because they're going to play twice this year too. Whoever wins that first one has to win the second one. You can't, you can't risk – I tell you what, if Clemson and Notre Dame somehow split that and you got to argue between A&M and Notre Dame, they'll put Notre Dame in there so fast your head will spin. I mean, like, like over, over A&M. I think that both those things would have to happen, and then A&M could probably backdoor their way in. And honestly, you – I mean, the you, argument Notre Dame had a Clemson win. If they had a Clemson win, even without Trevor Lawrence, it yeah. would still be considered – it would still be considered respectable, probably, and that and would be yeah. If you had one loss, they have the longest active winning streak in the country right now. Notre Dame, just saying. Yeah, so um, it's yeah, one game more than Ohio State and Alabama. So uh, like the here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. Because I I I fully think that I don't think Clemson looked that good yesterday. I think Clemson's concerns are we're all on defense. Can we stop talking about the SEC for a minute? <laughs> um, Clemson's Clemson's concerns were all on defense, in my opinion, and coaching and mental errors. So. 
But everyone, and including me, said no more than a week ago, Clemson's the best team in the country. They're the best team in the country, best team in the country, blah, blah, blah. If Notre Dame beats Clemson twice, right? They beat him first time without Trevor Lawrence. Then they go to an ACC championship game, and they beat Clemson by three points. Clemson has two losses on their, on their schedule. Do you think the committee puts A&M in over Clemson? Yeah. There's no way. Yes, they're not putting There's a no two-loss. They're not putting a two-loss team in there if they don't have to. That's the Who thing. Who had one loss with their starting quarterback, and it was in a postseason game. I, I would bet they you anything that. they would not put A&M in over a national brand. They should. You're right. But again, Connor, you got to stop that. using logic and reason. Clemson, I, I think, has actually like, for what it's worth, I, when I heard immediately after that game that Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to be playing, and again, this is this is just the cynic in me. Because I understand that there are, yeah, I do. There are medical issues associated with yeah. this when you're in isolation for 10 days, and then all of a sudden, if you're thrust into this environment, they can't necessarily do the proper testing. That's why they're 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 holding him out of the Notre Dame game, and that's already been announced. They didn't want to have that as a, a midweek storyline. But think about this: if you're Dabo, you're, it's it's kind of smart to keep Trevor Lawrence out Bro, because yes. if you lose that game, you're, you're still going to get so your chance. I'm so proud of you. You're still going to. You're still going to get your chance against Notre Dame. You're not. You know. You've seen it in the past. The selection committee. It's a win-win. Have a, a mid-game, a mid-game quarterback injury like they did in 2017 with Kelly Bryant. You've seen that the selection committee is going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And if you get a chance to re- to avenge the loss, and I'm not even saying that there's anything wrong with that because look, if Clemson comes back and then beats Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence on their team, then yeah, uh, of course Clemson's the better team. You would assume that. I. Do you remember what I told you the moment? Tua went down in the 2018 SEC championship game. Yeah, I do remember this. I do remember this. And I said, I said, and with that, Alabama just punched their ticket into the college ball playoff. Because there was no, and you disagreed then, and I feel like you disagree now, but it's like, there was no way with everything they had, they had built up going through that whole season, that 12 games, like 12 games, they were the most impressive team ever, and all this other stuff, and Tua was great, and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes down, and they might have lost to Georgia, which at the time it no, seemed I like agreed they were going with it. to. I thought Bama was was worthy of a spot, regardless, even if they had lost that game. Right, but I'm, but I'm saying with that kind of stuff, like, you know, that's why a lot of Bama fans, including partially me, was like, Saban, there's no reason to come back from COVID. Like, stay off the yeah. sidelines. Like we, like you have all these Tua. Don't need you coming back against LSU anyway. Let's let's wrap up. I wanted to say one more thing about yeah. Arkansas. By the way, uh, that was who we were originally talking about. Rakeem Boyd <laughs> looking healthy again was. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for a positive, if I'm an Arkansas fan, that and Felipe Franks actually looking good week to week, I think is is a positive moving forward. So I think better days are ahead <sighs> for the Hawks. Ole Miss and Vandy, a game that I know you're watching from start to finish. I did. Ang- Angry Lane was great. Um, this <sighs> offense. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but Matt Crowell and Elijah Moore were a. Uh, Incredible. Those guys were awesome. Elijah Moore ties the touchdown catch record for Ole Miss. Matt Corral breaks Eli Manning's consecutive completions record. Really, really good response. To start the game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just 19 (laughs) completions in a row. I mean, he's throwing into big windows here, but at the same time, he was dialed in in a way that I I think that we take for granted and we say, oh, it's it's Vandy. It's you know, obviously anybody could do that. Not anybody could do that. He was making some really, really good throws, and it helps when you have. Guys that can get open like Elijah Moore. Do you notice how excited he was? It was it was visi- like visibly you could see how eager he was to get to the line of scrimmage, like yeah. like to call each play. And and I tell you what, we are a nation of haters, and so easy to hate on stuff. And people hate on Matt Corral because he had six interceptions in one game. 
Yesterday looked awesome, and him and Eli Lane stuck with him. Great. Yeah, and, and, and he made him. the right choice. I thought it was great. Yeah, didn't bring in Plumley, or I thought we we're gonna see a lot more Plumley early, and we didn't. And he realized that Corral's dialed in. You got to get confidence back. Covered and the that first was... quarter, first half, total <laughs> team points, everything. Yeah, um, Ole Miss down the stretch. Interesting, you know, dangerous team because if the defense can just be normal bad yeah. and not like historically <laughs> bad, you know, they end with they, they got a bye coming up, then they end home against South Carolina at Texas A and M. Home against Mississippi State, then at LSU. I look at that schedule and I'm like, hey, is it possible that Ole Miss sitting there right now at, at two and four? Is it possible that they can end five and five? Is that yeah? They're gonna have five oh, wins. You think they'll get five wins? Wow, that'd be a big building block. I think I'm for, dragging for LSU today, one. so yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it's time. Sunday apologies. You know that even in a game in a week like this where there's blowouts. That just means that there's more of an opportunity for us to be wrong. And uh, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong about this Auburn offense. I was. And Chad Morris actually being able to figure things out where early on I thought it was really kind of back and forth. I didn't really, wasn't really that impressed with the Auburn offense. I thought they were benefiting a lot from the defense. But they got it rolling. And there were some good high percentage throws. I like that they finally took a chance with Anthony Schwartz downfield. That's what you're supposed to do when the fastest guy in college football is getting single coverage. I've given Chad Morris a lot of crap. I gave him a backhanded compliment on Twitter. I said, you know, Bo Pelini, there's no bigger indictment of your performance than being able to than not being able to slow down a Chad Morris offense. And I still believe that to a certain extent. <laughs> but you know what? Chad Morris, I'm sorry. I didn't think that you'd be able to show up and look that good for an entire game like that against LSU. Tip of the cap to you. Offensively as well. AM offense. I sort of wrote you off. Yeah. I said you were one-dimensional. I said that you couldn't couldn't do a variety of things and that you were too easy to defend. You were gonna struggle without all those pass catchers that you needed from last year, and it was just gonna be ugly. You've adjusted. You've found what works. You've found the wrinkles. You've found that when you split Anaya Smith out wide or you throw to him in the flat, that dude's just fun to watch in space. You've found that when you hit Jalen Wanamire on the seam, he is unbelievable. He's able to catch the fade in the end zone. He can do so many different things that Kellen Mond really hasn't had on a consistent basis over the years. And I know he's had some good tight ends. I know he definitely has, no doubt about it. But they're just doing things that are a little bit different than what they've done in years past. And it doesn't look like it's so much of a struggle. They sustain drives. Isaiah Spiller looks like the real deal. Hope that he's not too banged up after yeah. he went down a couple times in that game. But the AM offense, tip of the cap, because they have looked much better than what I was originally anticipating. You just open your mouth like you've seen a ghost. The coaches pulls out and Clemson's still number one. Okay, that's not worthy. Coach's poll, there's a reason we don't spend more than two seconds talking about the coach's poll in this podcast. True, true. Very good point. All right. Uh, my turn for apologies. All right, so listen, I'll tell you that I was wrong about my prediction for Todd Grantham's defense. Um, I asked who, who I need to give apologies to, and somebody said Grantham. They even marked, they said 52 minutes, 40 seconds in. You were just, you know, just throwing dirt on, on, on Grantham's grave and all that kind of stuff. And they looked good yesterday. But my apologies go out to, I hate to, I hate to do this, Connor. I'm not apologizing to anyone this week, okay? Wow. I'm not, I went 6-0 and in my pick straight up. I went 23-7-2 in straight my picks. Straight up makes people money, right? I was, dude, I was against the spread. Like, it was, that's, 
So, oh, yeah, okay, 23, 7, and 2 in all my other gambling picks. 23, Six, 7, five. and 2! And it's only because two Arkansas backdoor cover late, Notre Dame fumbling on the seven-yard line, Clemson fumbling on the one-yard line. I should have been even better. So I'm not apologizing to anybody. I, I, I just, I hate to say it. I hate to be that guy, but I was so damn good yesterday, Connor. I just, I, it, I was four for four in the Auburn. You realize how, think about this. In the Auburn game when they were expected to lose, my four bets, the under, yeah, hit. Uh, LSU's team total under 34 and a half, hit. I went so far as to say Auburn would win the first half. They did. And I even put a bet on that Auburn would score first. I hit all, all of those. So I'm not apologizing to anyone this week. Hopefully next week I'll be wrong about a lot of stuff and I can genuinely apologize to you guys. But yeah, this week, man, I killed it. I don't care how that sounds. How, how Sunday apologies turned into Marlon bragging <laughs> I, about his I apologize. I, listen, one, we haven't brought it up yet. It, it deserves to be talked about because I have not it's forgotten. Ever since the moment that KI called me Cousin Chris, I have been on an absolute effing tear. And so I, I just don't care how that sounds. But yeah, I mean, like there's... You know, hopefully next week I'll be wrong about stuff. Right. You gonna apologize for the the take earlier about Miles Brennan rushing? rushing no, Brennan? I'm not. I just I, right. it, like <laughs> absolutely not. I'm sorry. First player in the history of college football to run a fraternity or to rush a fraternity probably I, means he's tell me fell. tell me differences between him and Joe Burrow, and that's one of the main ones. If you, Joe, if you ever saw Joe Burrow rushing a frat, please send me the video. Let's get some week seven lines, shall we? Let's do it's it. Only four games. Only four uh, games. Why? Why? The Pac-12 is back. The good news is that we do get the cocktail party. Do you want to guess that line first? Have you seen um, a line for this? No, I haven't. So in this, this is will still be my lock of the year. It was last year. It was the year before. Because my lock of the year last year was at three and a half and all the way up to six. I think this will be Georgia two and a half because of the injuries. I think four, Georgia four. That's good. Be- because of the history. Because of the fact that we've we've gotten to this place before where we feel like you just backed away from your... No, I didn't. From- I was just sitting in the chair and it just rolled back like a ghost. Wow, it's, it's creepy. Very yeah. creepy. Sometimes oh. when you buy an old home, as I've learned, you know, you get spirits around you. Connor, this um, lineup sucks. Hey, I didn't say that. It's football. We're not allowed to say that. Yeah, We're not allowed right, to say right. that a lineup sorry. sucks. Sorry, sorry. Positive vibes only. Yeah, four four points, I think, for, for that. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see it come down if we find out more information. We still don't know officially all the diagnoses for these Georgia defenders. Real quick, what did I tell you was going to happen with that A&M line? What did it go back up to? Back up to the original line. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyway, that's, that's um, creepy I, I like your, I like, <laughs> I like your, I'm not cheating this. I, I've done it before. I've okay. not cheated right. recently. Right. I think, I think honestly, four sounds good. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Tennessee, Arkansas. Oof. Tennessee hasn't won in like, I don't know, three years, four years they uh, that they've played a football game. Um, not, not Tennessee and Arkansas playing a football game. That was a joke that it feels like Tennessee hasn't won in forever. Yeah. They're playing this game in Arkansas. I always say the road team first, the home team second. One day you're going to listen to this. One day. Why would you put the road team first? It's verse. The road team's always first. The road team's always first. You also get upset about daylight saving time, and no one calls it that. So It's, it's daylight saving time. Why can't we get this correct? It clearly sounds didn't have stupid. A... You sound stupid. <laughs> that was good. There we go. That was good. <laughs> Arkansas is going to be favored at home. Tell me I'm oh. wrong. Arkansas, Arkansas oh, yeah. one-point favorite at home. Is that crazy? No, I think that's good. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll do you one better. I think Arkansas by three 
and betters will get, get it down to even immediately. Ooh, high on the hogs, are we? Like it. Vandy, Mississippi State, two worst teams in the SEC, uh, and you can't convince me otherwise. They are atrocious. Mississippi State will somehow be favored to win a football game. And that tells you everything you need to know about Vandy, who played oh, 66. Wow. 66 players were dressed for Vandy, which is an improvement above 56, what they had last time they were on the field. But Vandy's depth is just an absolute disaster. They might just start running around campus trying to find bodies to be able to play. Like Mississippi State, yeah. yeah, Mississippi State will be favored. Seven and a half point favorite. Oh, I was hoping you were going to go low. I'm going to say six. Okay. Will Rogers at least has some mobility and stands a better chance of succeeding than KJ Kessel. What's the over-under at? Oh, it can't be that high. It can't it, be that high. It should be 38, and it'll be at like 45. Yeah, because Mississippi State's defense is good. They're actually yeah. good. Texas A&M, South Carolina. I think that A&M is going to be a double-digit favorite in Columbia. Really? Despite the road issues. Yes, mm. I think they... I think you make them a 10-point favorite, mm-hmm. given the fact that we saw South Carolina just get trucked by LSU. I mean, that, what a bad showing that was going into the bye week. I think that A&M and what they can, what they can do offensively now, is gonna, that's not going to be lost on Vegas. And they'll, that'll probably get bet down, but 10-point favorite A&M on the road. I was going to say 9.5, but since you said 10, I'll say 12.5. The good news, even though we only have four games, I feel like those spreads are all way lower than what we were talking about last week. This was blowout week. This was blowout week. It was awesome. This is week 13. It's week 13. Like cupcake week or cake week. Yeah. Yes, cake week. I love that we stick to the rebranding of that. Definitely got to go with cake week. That's smart. We got to come up with, yeah, this, I guess this (gasps) is. Connor, it's the return of Maction this week. I forgot about that. Okay, I got I to gotta get the tweet going. I got to get the tweet ready right now. The return of the Mac, Michael Jordan, you know, headphones on, bobbing. Oh, this is the best thing. week ever. Pac-12 returning also, which I guess Ugh. that's important too. Is it? Who does, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Don't tell Ali I said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> she, doesn't, she won't listen. Washington State, Oregon State should be a barn burner. Uh, yeah, it, it, should be, it should be some fun, though. The fact, the, the fact that I'm looking at the schedule right now real quick before we go, and, and the 8 o'clock, which used to be the primetime game, I, I see South Alabama and Coastal Carolina. Not great. Go Shants. Yeah. <laughs> they took it to Georgia State. I was not bad at Georgia State. Lock of the week held. Oklahoma, easy. 6-0. Easy, no. easy money. We're rolling. We're rolling. Speaking of lock of the week, there's a little hint. We're hoping, hoping to have a first-time guest on. A very special guest he would be. That's your hint. I am very excited for that possibility. Hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to have that. We're going to have a lot of Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, whatever you want to call it, cocktail party talk this week as well. Uh We are going to be still having just all sorts of coverage on Saturday Down South. You're looking at me like you want to say something. Connor, all all 12 teams from the MAC are playing on Wednesday. This is is the most, I hate to say this, but it's like the Rudy quote. It's the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. All, we have, we have football on today. Two is getting his first start, Monday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like, we are set. This is, God, we're, I'm so happy. The Blessed only day off is the election. Ugh, anyway. <laughs> Blessed are we. Stay safe. 
Uh, stay, stay happy if you're looking for a distraction this week, which I know many people will be. Um, no matter what side you fall on, uh, make sure that you are going to SaturdayDownSouth.com, seeing all of our great content. Follow us on social media at SDS, at SEC Football, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara, at the yeah. SDS Pod. Join our Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram as well. Marler, I don't care that it was a week. It was a week. It was a week. What do we need to, what do we need to remember? Here's what everyone needs to remember. I know you think I'm going to say something different. Don't hate people because of who they vote for. Just let it be. We're all going to be okay. Hate people for who they pull for in football. They'll have a good Everybody day. love everybody. Go everybody go. love everybody. I got a ring. Anyway. Talk soon.